In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. That's lls.org slash bigclimb. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up out in Seattle, Eric? Just, uh, taking it all in. How you doing, Dave? Doing all right, man. We got uh, we got a severe thunderstorm going on here in Atlanta right now. So if we cut out, you'll know what happened. It's dark and it's thundering, mm. and it's raining. We've had that all weekend. Well, yeah, you're in Seattle, so you had that yeah. all the time, right? <laughs> not not well, this time a, of year. We got a very special guest today, pertinent, relevant, timely, uh, none other than Jason Stark, Hall of Famer and athletic staff writer, excellent national writer. Jason, welcome. Thanks. Uh, what's happening, boys? Great to be here. Not much, man. We're just uh, on pins <laughs> and needles wondering if we're going to play baseball this year. Uh, I, I actually think... Now it's pretty much certain they're mm-hmm. going to play. <laughs> How that comes about, it's going to be kind yeah. of a rough road. But I think at the very least, MLB is going to force players to play. Uh, that's the worst case scenario. I'd like to think there's a better case scenario. You don't see a scenario then where uh, Manfred says, we're having a 50-game season, and the players say, we're not playing. You don't see that scenario. That's just too much. All right. Well, uh, if they announced that, uh, 48 games, 50 games, 54 games, pick your number. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's our schedule. Here's the date you're reporting. Here's uh-huh. the date we're starting up. The players would have no choice but to show up and play. If they don't, they'd be staging an illegal strike in the middle of a labor deal. Uh, I don't re- recommend that. That's not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> they would have to play. I'm sure they'd file a grievance, but they would play in the meantime. Uh, would they do anything Besides play, would they talk to people like us via Zoom? Yeah. Uh, would they meet with sponsors? Uh, would they do anything <laughs> except play the games? I wouldn't count on that uh, if that yeah. if those are the conditions. But at the very least, I think MLB is determined to play. And if you've heard some of these statements this week from various club executives saying, yeah, yeah we're, we're getting close to playing, I think that's now what yeah. that is all about. What's the difference? What's the difference between an illegal strike within a uh, within yeah. the CBA? And, and, <laughs> I need to hear this. And, in, and okay. a legal strike, if you will. God, I've I've covered way too much labor that I actually yeah. know this stuff. Well, but, um, 
right, if you come to the end of your labor agreement, of your collective bargaining agreement, and you cannot come to an agreement on the next one, then you can have uh, the the union, the players can decide to strike uh, or management, NLB, can decide to lock the players out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is something that happens at the end right. of labor agreements. Mm. We still okay. have two seasons to go and a year and a half of calendar time to mm-hmm. go before this labor agreement expires. And so this would, I, I don't know this, I don't know the exact labor terminology, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I never covered the Teamsters, but I think this would be considered a wildcat strike. And uh-huh. okay. you know, wildcat strikes come at great peril to the strikers legally and otherwise. I thought you wrote a terrific column this week on why it's essential that baseball owners and players work through this impasse and avoid canceling the season, which you, and I agree, you equated it to driving the sport off a cliff. I, I did. Uh, I'm actually now retweeting the link to that every single day at the urging of a, of a friend of mine in baseball. After yesterday, I'm thinking I may have to retweet it like every few hours. <laughs> because I'm not a fan of driving off the cliff. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that at some point somebody's going to be uh, driving along and see a sign that says, Caution, humongous cliff ahead, you know, and and that'll get people's attention. Uh, you would think that the survival instinct of yeah. everyone would kick in at that point. But, you know, we're now in a little different stage than we were even when I wrote that. Um, mm-hmm. Because, as I said, I, th- I think baseball, MLB, is determined to play. Um I guess my question is, how would fans respond if that's the way we play? Yeah. Uh, I right. think there's, or, I think damage has already been done by the mm-hmm. fight, by the nature of the fight, the public nature of the fight at this time in American life. Yes. Um, and if basically players were forced to play, if it was be, it would, if it was in a, a an environment where. We can't make a deal. We're incapable of making a deal. We're incapable of having that con- kind of constructive conversation. But we're going to play. Mm-hmm. Do fans care? I think yes. they do. Like my Twitter feed would indicate they do, even though I try to ignore what my Twitter feed tells me. Yeah. Yeah, they they would be playing reluctantly. But reluctant baseball is still better than no baseball at all to, I think, most fans. At least once it started. I think, you know, they talk a lot on Twitter about, I'm done checking out, other sports are starting. But I think if the games, once they begin, hardcore baseball fans are going to be there. Yeah, I would hope you're right. I, You know, I, I would hope that the beauty of actually playing games, playing a great sport, would take hold. Um, you know, we just saw a couple weeks ago, more people watched Peyton Manning and Tom Brady play golf than watched yeah. the final round of the PGA. <laughs> okay, so that tells you, there's an appetite yeah. to watch something. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the best window was to get this thing settled like today, yeah. to report next week, start that spring training 2.0, get started on July 4th and have the stage to yourself for a few weeks when you're the only sport playing. I think they're squandering that. And so that's a problem. If you come back at the same time, the NBA is coming back and everything else is coming back. uh, Where does baseball rank on the priority list in that scenario? 
Yeah, because the NBA has done it. I mean, they have rammed this thing through because obviously things get done a lot quicker in the NBA. But they've rammed this thing through, and they're going to basically have a 22-game tournament uh, You know, after playing eight more regular season games. They're going to dive right into a 22-game tournament that's going to probably feel like March Madness. Yeah. Yeah, it sure will. And it's going to spill over into the uh, at least part of the baseball postseason mm-hmm. if they stick to this calendar. And I wouldn't want to go head-to-head with the NBA Finals. Who, who, are people going to watch – the NBA finals or the wild card round. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to know the answer to that. Yeah. Or even, you know, the 40th game in a 80 game season. I mean, if the playoffs, the NBA is playing its playoffs, you know, ugh, yeah. Right. And if you uh, have football, <laughs> you know, football's going on. It's, it's going to take away too. too. Yeah. I, what I, you, I don't know about you. Like it's so hard to watch this. To be having this fight over money oh, I know. in when this, there's, when there's so this many- moment in American life, it's just the most tone-deaf thing I've ever seen yeah. in baseball. Seriously, the the worst. I, I honestly had somebody use the word disgusting mm-hmm. to describe it to me today. Uh, yeah. I've heard the word sickening this week. And this is coming from people inside baseball. Yeah. It's embarrassing. But but when you're living in a world where there's no trust, there's no dialogue, there's no exchange of ideas between these two sides, this is what happens. And I, I just hope that the sport doesn't pay too great a price. Yeah, there's just is- no reason for this stuff to be out there in the first place. You know, it, I don't know where the information's coming from, but um, yeah, there's no way to spin it or or put it in any way that's going to be approved by the general public with everything they're going through. Uh, you, you don't think doing this publicly is working out well? <laughs> no, I don't. I, you know, but that's we've talked about this before on here. Is like, yeah, I think if you're a billionaire, you're pretty much already hated. You know, so I don't think they really care too much how they're perceived. They're just they're just working on getting their job done the and getting the numbers they want. Yeah, the owners. You know, the, the owners are just working on getting the numbers they want. But but players always seem to care uh, how they're perceived publicly, and it seems to. I mean, it seems to work. Well, I, you know, I, I feel like right now both sides are kind of positioning themselves so that people will, will theoretically blame the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, all right, I, I understand why that happens, how it happens, how this information gets out. I'm, I'm in the reporter type business. <laughs> Dave, yeah. You know, Dave yeah, yeah. and I, like we cover baseball. We're in favor of people talking <laughs> yeah. to us and telling us stuff. So you're getting so, scoops from both sides, what you're I mean, saying. From that, you know, like from the standpoint of reporting, uh, it, it it's kind of good for us, but in terms of whether it's benefiting the sport, right? I, I think we all know the answer. It's just it's a horrible optic. It's a horrible look. It's a horrible tactic. Um, when you look at what the other sports have done and compare it to the way baseball's gone about it, I mean, we've seen the movie before, but it's never looked worse because it's never had a worse backdrop i mean i've covered way too many baseball labor fights i have um i you know i've been around long enough that i i covered the the mess in 94 95 Mm. and that was horrible Mm. uh you know i i had a this feeling in the pit of my stomach then and i had that exact feeling now and i was on the conference call with Bud Selig, the night he canceled that World Series, I was even the guy that asked him, "Bud, how do you think history will view this moment?" Um, but I, I, you know, I, I have that same feeling because I honestly think baseball is 
driving itself to a place that people will not forget, that the sport in many ways will not recover from. And that's even if they play, guys, because people won't forget this. Yeah. um, It can't be emphasized enough how where this this labor fight is going on at the absolute worst time. I mean, I would say imaginable, but this wasn't even imaginable because – I've never, I've been, you know, I've been on the earth more than a half century and we've never had a time where so much has come together in the U.S. and there's so much important things going on. We're at an inflection point with racial, uh, with racial equality, police reform, all that. We are at a serious inflection point. And I think for the better, I think good's going to come out of this. Um, and then we, you top that with we're at the first real pandemic, global pandemic that has killed this many people uh, in our lifetimes. Uh, You know, in the U.S., you've had over 100,000 people die. And top that with, we're at the worst economy as far as uh, uh, unemployment that we've had since the Great Depression, even worse than the recession ever was. So all that's kind of happening at exactly the same time that these two sides are squabbling over how to divide hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And how, like, how do you, how do you get that tone deaf? <laughs> it's um, a, you have to I, live I in an insular it. world, man, for that to happen. How? Um, you know, it's just, I, it stems from distrust and yeah. the distrust yeah. has built up over yeah. years and years and years and years. Eric's talked about that a lot. Right. I mean, you speak to that. Um, I mean, to speak speak to it from the player's perspective, because we had a you know we had a meeting of the executive board um, on Thursday. Uh, it was pretty energetic, <laughs> from what I yeah. hear, and uh, I think players are getting more and more dug in mm-hmm. on a, a position where there there's just no room to wiggle out of it. Yeah, you've seen, well, you know, look how many veterans you've seen just all of a sudden they couldn't get jobs, you know, after the last uh, CBA. Guys like me were just, you know, we went from, if you had your one bad season, you're still getting an offer for maybe 1.5 to kind of turn your career around. And all of a sudden for pretty much every guy, you're getting the same uh, minor league deal or you had the same, um, the CBA happen and and you had the luxury tax finally come through. And and we thought that was going to be you know, just a way to balance things out and kind of, you know, there's no good way to spin it. We got, we got worked over on that and teams pretty much use it as a salary cap. Um, there's a the rebuilding going on. Uh, there's, there's just tanking. a lack of, yeah, the tanking pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to sugarcoat a team's just not even trying, but it costs a lot of us jobs. You know, it costs a lot of guys that, you know, borderline major leaguers or guys, veterans hanging on, uh, jobs. We've been trying to prove collusion. There's just been so much brewing, um, even during my playing career. And that was going on before I got in the game too. I mean, every union meeting, you would hear the words collusion and and trying to get the teams to spend more money and, and not trusting their revenue and things like that. So that lack of trust brewing for so long, I think when something like this comes up and teams are saying, well, you know, we're going to lose money. Um, after all the things that have happened over the years, it's just going to be your instinct to, to not really trust it unless you see all the numbers. And from what I hear, they still haven't gotten all the numbers, which this would be the one time to just show the numbers and say, look, we're getting killed here. Never happened. They're never going to get those numbers. No. No. And, and <laughs> that it's is not going to happen. You know, I, I understand what you're talking about because I think it's real. 
and players have experienced it. It, it. It's coming from absolute personal experience, and there have been all kinds of ramifications from it. My question is, is this the time no. to have that fight? No, but, well, you have to, you know, because if, if you get, especially Tony, if Tony gets worked over here, uh, you got another CBA coming up. There's no way the players are going to trust him for another one if this doesn't go well. I mean, that's a big one coming up. Um, I, yeah. You know, All right. Like, Tony can't lose. No. Right? But that doesn't mean he has to win, in my eyes. Um, you know, Don Fear used to run the Baseball Players Union. Now he mm-hmm. is the head of the Hockey Players Union. He said some stuff last week that really got my attention because the NHL has gone about this completely differently. Uh, he said that the their negotiation in this circumstance was different than anything he'd ever experienced in 40 years of doing this, that there was never any sense of, I've got to win, you've got to win. It, there was never any sense of, I need A, B, and C, or we're not doing this, or you need X, Y, and Z, or we're not doing this. It was here's something that is beyond our control. It's Mm -hmm. not your fault. It's not our fault. Uh, We're in a situation now and we have to solve it jointly for the betterment of our sport. And that has been the spirit of the hockey negotiations. They've been quiet, they've been smooth, and they got it done. Rational. Zero. There's been none of that in baseball. And that's the part that upsets me the most. Jason, how much do you think- From both sides, right? On both sides, yeah. absolutely. Like the fact that Major League Baseball took that player's proposal that was Sunday, right, and didn't even respond. <laughs> yeah. You know, that I, that, that's a mistake. Okay, there were elements in that proposal uh, that were worth talking about. But to to do that, to talk about it, you'd actually have to be having a conversation. And whatever words you would like to use to describe these negotiations – conversation is not on my list no and it's you're talking about ultra competitive people too where if somebody's going to play hardball you know you saw one offer came in and they said we need a better offer and they got a worse one and it's just been kind of like that it's just been a stalemate Mm -hmm. the whole time but these are ultra competitive people ultra successful people on both sides that are just gonna if this is the game we're playing we're gonna play it and it is it's extremely petty but you're seeing it play out on pretty big stage and and like you know like we talked about it's not a good look Jason. Yeah, it's now feeding on itself too, you know, yeah. which is uh, yeah, exactly. that's another problem. It, uh, I, you know, I would <laughs> like to think that at some point uh, everybody's going to breathe, and at some point uh, MLB is going to make another proposal. Uh, I, I think that's likely. In fact, uh, I, I don't know why they decided that it was okay to waste this week. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been a waste. They're playing hardball. It. <laughs> Jason, it's 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 time to play a different game. (laughs) Let's let's everybody play a different game. All right, Jason. It came out yesterday. Evan Grant said uh, in Texas they're going to be they're going to allow them to have fans in the stands. Some fans, yeah, some fans right away. And I would imagine there's going to be a few other locales. What will happen if some if some places can have fans and others can't? Will baseball allow that? And will they split those revenues? You know, among all the teams, is that the fair way to do it, or will those teams get to keep their revenues? You know, this is. Totally uh, uncharted territory. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is another reason, Dave, to make a deal. Yeah. You know, so you can account for stuff like this. Um, you know wh- what what should happen is 
that MLB makes a proposal with maybe a couple of different options. Okay. One is we will impose and announce a 50 game schedule, 48 game schedule, whatever their number is. Uh, and you'll get your full prorated pay or we could play an 82 game schedule mm-hmm. and, um, there would be this degree of additional salary cut, but um, we'll we'll include this provision and that provision and this provision and that provision if we have fans in the stands, if television revenue is X instead of Y. But there are a lot of ways mm-hmm. to do it uh, where there is upside for everybody. And I would hope that's what would happen. That's what would happen in a normal negotiation. Yeah. I just worry that we could be at a point where nothing about this can be normal anymore. Yeah. You got to get the big stuff ironed out first, man, and then get to all these details because there's so many details that pop up every day. I'm well aware. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, everybody's aware, but again, there's just so much distrust Mm -hmm. that it's just hard to, to even take a step forward. I, you know, I talk to Ken Rosenthal pretty much every day, and uh, I give him my tips for covering labor disputes. <laughs> and <laughs> here's one of them. Try your best not to get caught up in just the play-by-play, mm-hmm. because the play-by-play in our sport is always a mess. It's always yeah. a mess. And the, the question to ask yourself, first and foremost, is what happens next? It's just not logical to think that it just kind of fizzles away from here and MLB just makes an announcement and then they force players to play. That's just not practical. Um, And so I do think another proposal is coming because the union was the last one to flick the ball over the net. I don't know. know, I've played enough tennis to know that when somebody hits the ball over the net at me – it just feels weird to look at it and say, nah, I'm not swinging at that. (laughs) (laughs) Fault. (laughs) Hey, listeners, producer Cam here to tell you about Manscaped. With basketball potentially returning soon, the debate rages on. Who is the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill with your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Play it safe with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC, all one word, at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code the athletic. Jason, we talked about this last week. How much Tony Clark, by all accounts, a good guy, smart guy. How much though have they have the players union been hurt in these last couple of negotiations by the fact they don't have a Michael Weiner in there anymore who's trained to do this, could do this with a uh a velvet hammer, if you will. I mean, it doesn't seem it seems like Tony Clark, quite frankly, has been in over his head. Well, I I love Tony personally, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a he's a great guy, and uh, 
he, he's got leadership skills that got him into this position. Right. I totally understand that. But the question is, um, where is that Michael Weiner type figure? Mm-hmm. Um, like they look, they brought in Bruce Meyer uh, to to do that job. Forget and that. The, Bruce, like I, I like Bruce a lot personally. Bruce Bruce's background is not really in negotiating; um, it's more in litigating. And so, you know, what we had for twenty five years of labor peace, mm-hmm. uh, at least for most of them, was at the heart of the negotiations were. Michael Weiner, deal maker, mm-hmm. and Dan Halem and Rob Manfred, deal makers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a level of trust. Uh, we had a level of understanding that here's what you're going to need. Uh, here's what we're going to need. Um, we can give you this because we know you need it, but he- you need to give us that. And yeah. deals were made in that atmosphere. It's the best atmosphere to make them. What we have now, however this happened – whether it's it's been driven by Tony, whether it's been driven by Bruce, whether it's been driven by Rob, whether it's been driven by Dan, whether it's driven by players, whether it's driven by public pressure, whatever it is, Are all of we're involved? in completely the opposite universe. Yeah. And that's just not a climate to make deals. No, it's petty at this point. It's it's personal too, which, which doesn't help negotiations. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And that's like, this can never be about that. Uh, this is a business deal. It's a deal that has to get made. It's a deal that not just your side needs and my side needs, but the country needs, that your yeah. fan base needs. You don't, you have no business without customers, yeah. right? And it's time to serve those fans and it's time to serve those customers or you're, you're, you're really endangering the future of your sport. They've gone from having the opportunity to to look like mm. coming in on the white horse and, bra- and and to really get back a lot of fans who've been kind of uh, uh, on the fence or still were stung for a decade or more from the last strike. They had a chance to really grow their audience, and I think they've gone in the other direction where they've done <laughs> damage instead of taking advantage of that opportunity to be the first sport back. Yeah, Dave, I've used that, that word opportunity a lot. To describe this, because it is, it was there. Yeah, I think it's still there, but you gotta hurry. The the way, yeah, <laughs> I'm, like if you even do the math on what it would take to play eighty two games yeah. now and get back Fourth of July, we're out of time. You got to decide by tomorrow. <laughs> you yeah, know? I don't. You need time for players to travel. Uh, when when players report, they need to be tested and then isolated for a period of time. Uh, teams need time to get their facilities up to speed with these health and safety protocols. You you need you need three weeks of of training. Uh, like just start doing the math. Uh, the the Fourth of July is four weeks away. There's just not time yeah. now to come back. On the 4th of July. I don't see how. Uh, I've started to hear July 15th. Uh, if you're going to play 48 games, you can come back August 1st. Right. All, all that's doable. That's right. all that's possible. But have you squandered the opportunity if that's what you do? And they've clearly squandered so much of that opportunity. And here's something that I got into in that column that you referenced, Dave, about driving off the cliff is um, baseball's never been the same 
since they canceled that World Series, in my eyes, I wrote this. And you would say, wait a second, it's, it's a, it's a $10.8 billion industry. Uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. They've made billions of dollars. They've, the, the cash register has rung. And baseball still has a place in American culture and the sporting culture. But it's never regained its place in the American heart and the American soul that it had before it canceled that World Series because you broke a bond mm-hmm. of trust with your fans uh, that people never got back, mm-hmm. that the that this sport never got back. It's, it's hold on the country and what it meant to the country. That's different now. Yeah. I really think that canceling that World Series – cut the cord and they're in danger of cutting it again. And even though I don't think it means baseball will be dead, I disagree. I see that all the time on Twitter. That ain't happening. They're, yeah, they're going to yeah. play. I'm sure they'll find ways to make money. I'm yeah. sure they'll have TV deals, but you're, you're breaking your bond of trust with your fans and nothing's more important than that. You don't want to become something halfway between what baseball used to be and what boxing is now. Oh, I don't want to be that. So you don't think Thelma and Louise in this thing is going to be romantic, <laughs> romantic at all? I I, uh, I, it, I I love the Thelma and Louise uh, analogy. I hear it a lot, but I heard one today that got my attention, and that was I I I was talking to somebody today trying to make sense of this, and you know mentioned the whole drive off a cliff thing because people are saying, well, they'll never drive off the cliff. They're not that suicidal right and this the guy I was talking to said to me i don't know that the cliff exists anymore and he meant that in in this way uh they're they're gonna play uh there's no firm date there's no firm calendar there's no firm deadline so how is there still a cliff but i'll tell you what i said to him i said i th- i think there's there's still a cliff in that if there if you don't make a deal, if you can't make a, a deal over money at a time like this, people aren't going to feel the same about the fact that you're playing as they would if they could see some sense of common purpose. Has yeah. there been any sense of common purpose? Yeah. If there has been any, I've missed it. Yeah, maybe a ditch then. You total the car, you survive, but you're, you don't, you're not the same afterwards. Yeah, I feel like they just yeah. think they can stick the landing. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> that's so oh, wow, good. We- while we have you, Jason, what what uh, one of the other p- potential problems that could come, well, that's going to come from this is canceling a minor league season, which by all accounts is it hasn't been announced, but they're not going to play a minor league season. What what are the ramifications of not playing a minor league season? You're a guy who's talked to people in the industry, particularly the the minor league instructors, coaches, managers, all those other people that have been furloughed or are kind of up in the air right now, and not to mention a lost season for thousands of players. Yeah, this has gotten lost. And uh, the minor leagues are never going to be the same. That's the sad conclusion yeah. that I've come to. And, uh, you know, uh, that that's that's another nightmare on every level. Uh, all right, you start with players. A lost year of playing, mm-hmm. you know, is just it, – it's not something that is replaceable. Mm-hmm. Players love what they do. They love to play. There's only so many years on earth that they can play the, the the game, that they can do that thing they love to do. And you never get that year back. 
I mean, that saddens me just in and of itself. Um, think about all those great players who you keep, you, know, you read on these top prospect lists who just aren't ready. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, yeah. well, like I know, I know this guy can't help us on opening day, but at some point this year, he's going to, he's going to make yeah. a big impact on our team. Like you don't have any of that. You have players whose careers are going to end because of this. who are never yeah. going to play again, uh, either because there's not a team left for them to play for next year, mm-hmm. or they just can't live on the, like this pittance that mm-hmm. baseball is dangling to them. And not even every team is even doing that. Um, and they're just going to find something else to do. So there's all of those things. And then there's all of these minor league franchises that have a place in Americana. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where a lot of people who don't live in the big city yeah. learn yeah. how to love baseball, become baseball fans. It's your their entry point. It's you're such all a, these upstate New York. Every, like, just, it's, it's every state, man. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, there's just so many communities where, whether it's, 8,000 people come out a night mm-hmm. or 700, whatever. It, like those people who are there, being there means something to them. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Oh, I just Georgia. I just worry about giving people who have always thought this was, this was something that they would care about. This is something that they love to do. The opportunity to go find something else to care about and something else to do. How many of those people never come back? It's just, you know, like there is a price for every little aspect of this that we've been talking about. And I don't know what the, what the ultimate cost of that is, but you, you can't measure it in just dollars. I do know that. And this comes at a time you're talking about all these players, and and this is a formative year too. It's not like a sixth year veteran is missing one year and he can come back next year and be pick up where he left off. I'm talking about a lot of these guys, like you just said, that are close that are knocking on the door or that are maybe going make, making that jump from A ball to double A, and you just for one year they don't play. I mean that could affect their careers long term. Their development set you back. Yeah. And then, and then the other thing you're talking about, uh, all these little towns that are affected. I mean, everywhere, Rome and Jackson, Mississippi, that's, I'm just talking about Braves affiliates, but they're every state, all size towns. How about the 40 uh, in the same year that you're not going to play minor league baseball, you're going to, you're going to lop off 40 some teams all together. And like places like Chattanooga, their team's going to be gone. Right. And I mean, look, this leads into that, uh, it's really difficult now for minor league baseball to even fight that fight yes. because they have no leverage. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's no way for them to have a season. You can't have a season season if it's all cost and no revenue. Right. 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 So, uh, yeah. there's, they have no leg to stand on. Uh, I don't know how many people who work for minor league baseball teams, uh, have gotten laid off, haven't mm-hmm. seen that story written. Uh, I don't know how many part-time employees, interns, God. volunteers, game All day employees have no place to go and no place to play. Um, I, the, the minor leagues that we remember, I, I, I honestly believe this, will no longer exist. They'll exist, mm-hmm. but never in the way we remember 
And that, yeah. I, that really saddens me. It's a shame. That's such a big part of the romantic side of baseball. I wonder if something could replace it, you know, because you're going to have so many players that, that have that drive that aren't yeah. going to have jobs. You know, if, if a new league could be created or independent league all of a sudden really picks up. That is the plan. Uh, that yeah. is the hope. Um, you know, I, I go to uh, independent league games. I went, went to an Atlantic League game last year to check out the uh, the robot umps. And it, you know, it feels like minor league baseball. It does. It has the same feel. The, the ballparks are the same size. The atmosphere is this kind of the same. And the experience for players would be kind of the same. But where's the money coming from yeah. for that? Yeah. You know, is how much how much is baseball willing to invest to make that happen? That's a huge question too, because the reason that like the New York Penn League is able to function. Right. Uh, some of these teams that have no, almost no attendances. Right. Major league teams help support them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so wh- what happens when none of that financial yeah. support is there? Worry about that. It's- yeah. And you wouldn't have the attachment to the players, you know, coming up through your system. Like out here in Seattle, we got Tacoma and Everett, you know, close by. So you can watch guys that are, you know, eventually going to be on your major league team. You wouldn't have that either. They'd all basically be free agents. If only somebody could figure out a way to have a league with 10 or 15 teams like the Portland Mavericks back in the day. <laughs> now that would be a league. <laughs> That'd be cool. Are there that many yeah. cast-offs and renegades and Maverick and colorful guys? <laughs> yeah, you know, I like I've actually heard from people who made that point, Eric, that uh, it, it was a, a, a guy from Jacksonville who said, you know, my, my dad – was uh, an Expos fan because, mm-hmm. you know, all the great Expos players came through here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I became a, what is it? A, like, what's what's Jacksonville now? Are they a Reds? Sons? I can't remember that, right? Yes. Yeah, but uh, I became a Reds fan because oh, that yeah. was the, the, you know, the Reds succeeded them. And now, but my son is now uh, a, a fan of such and such team because – uh, John Carlos Stanton played here. What, like whatever, uh, you know, you, you have, like fan allegiances are formed that yes. way, and that doesn't happen in independent ball. I think yeah. you'd have to almost have it be like the XF, like the XLB. You know, just let kind of have some crazier rules. Let the guys fight. Um, bat flips are good. I mean, just kind of like almost like a rogue league <laughs> that, that anything fine. goes in. Yeah, just pure entertainment league. <laughs> like guys fight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bats at each all night. Tuesday's yeah. brawl night. Yeah, hey, awesome. Charge the mound. You don't get suspended. <laughs> Things like that. You're talking about guys that might not ever play again. Didn't even talk about, you know, when the 40 teams are contracted, all those players, the good ones that were going to be part of the major league team someday, they're all going to be pushed up a level yeah. or two. And that's just going to mean the guys at the top that weren't ever going to make it are just going to be gone. I mean, there's not going to be a spot for those guys. No, the AAA vet. Yeah, there's not going to go. be any longer. Yeah, and you know, that's that's something you're missing too is uh, you learn how to compete by playing against those guys. The Crash Davises. Yeah. You really learn how to compete. You know, it's you can have your league full of first-rounders, but a lot of first-rounders fail because they can't compete until they go and, and have to get their asses kicked by really good AAA players. That's when they make the adjustments. So that's that's going to hurt baseball as a whole, too. I don't know. Like those guys, I mean, they might, some of those guys are still going to be around because you're going to want veterans. You're going to want leadership. You're going to want some stability. Catchers, um, at least, to plug for, in. For young players. Yeah, if especially, right. Right, especially yeah, catchers. Catchers, for sure. But, but like I wonder about that, like that 26-year-old 
quadruple A guy or, you know, he's, All he's never, he doesn't have that big league time really to yeah. be that leader, but he's still trying to make it work. He still dreams of playing. Uh, I don't know that there's a place for that guy anymore. Overseas. Yeah. Hey, true. Jason, for people out there who might not understand how extreme the difference is between a five-round draft and the usual draft, which lately has been 40 rounds, was even longer than that before, what should fans understand about the myriad kind of trickle-down effects of having just a five-round draft and also a maximum of only $20,000 signing bonus that you can give to any guys who weren't drafted to sign them as free agents? That's a great question, Dave. I, I, I wrote about this too a few weeks ago because uh, when that got announced, somebody mm-hmm. said to me, college baseball is yeah. screwed. Yeah. And I said, well, what do you mean? And we started doing the math. Mm-hmm. Uh, a five-round draft means a 1,000 players <laughs> yes. who would have gotten drafted in a normal draft will not. A 1,000. So where are they going? What's happening? What's happening to them? Uh, all those High school seniors who mm-hmm. thought they were going to get drafted and play, is it worth it for them to sign for exactly. whatever uh, non-drafted bonus they're, or, they're offered? Or do they want to go play college baseball? I would think they're going to want to go play in college. And I, I talked yeah. to coaches and said, you know, like I, I have commitments from 18 guys thinking that seven of Six, them will show yeah. up. Yeah. If all 18 knock on the door, that's a yeah. problem. You know, there's only nine do? places on the field. <laughs> and a lot of those juniors you thought were going to go in the draft that, are coming back for the senior I, year. Yep. College juniors who don't get drafted, they want to come back. Now there's one more aspect to yeah. it. Yeah. All those college seniors who didn't have a season, many of them are going to be offered the chance to also come back. Yeah. And e- like even if there's some accommodation made to allow that and keep their, you know, like that additional partial scholarship or whatever. I remind you, there are only nine positions on the field. Not everybody has a place to play. And just look, we're not talking just about baseball here. We're talking about thousands of lives of real people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Families are affected. Uh, Universities are affected. University finances have been ravaged by this. Mm-hmm. College football had better find a way to play, oh, right? Or mm. think, like you're you're seeing now oh, all these college programs that are that where the plug's being pulled. Yeah. And if college football can't play, yeah. um, that just exaggerates the effects of all this stuff we're talking about. But uh, just the the biggest thing is, it's not just a draft. These are real people with real lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Juco ball is going to be the best it's ever been. I yes, predict. for sure. The best. It's going to be, you're going to have so many future major leaguers playing Juco ball next year. Some of those Juco teams are going to be able to compete with the D1 teams. Absolutely. <laughs> they will. Absolutely. You can go there and play for a year and go back into draft. Yeah. Right. And but even then, you know, you, totally. you're going to have guys that would have been six rounders they're going to be in the draft next year. So you're going to take, you know, it's going to be even harder to get drafted next year. Oh, Cause it's going to be loaded with talent. Absolutely. If you're a high school senior and, ugh. Hey, there's a guy, I just did a story on a guy, uh, uh, Cole Wilcox, a pitcher from Georgia, UGA. They got two guys that are supposed to go in the first round. One of them, Emerson Hancock in the top 10, but this guy, he's in a really unusual spot, you know, cause all the, all the spring sport athletes this year in college were granted an extra year of eligibility. So, right. This guy was a draft-eligible sophomore because he turns 21 within 45 days of the draft, right? So he's projected first-rounder. 
He already got drafted out of high school, and since he did, there were signability questions. So he, he let it be known what he was going to take to sign him. So he went to UGA instead, but he got drafted. So that's one time. He's going to get drafted this year. He's still a sophomore because he was granted an extra year of eligibility, and he was already draft eligible. He could get drafted this year. Next year, still a sophomore, get drafted again and turn it down yeah. if he wanted to. Come back and still be a junior. He could be one of those on your on his baseball uh, reference page. It could have drafted, drafted, drafted like four years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he'd be one of those rare guys in this draft with leverage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he has a ton a of leverage. A ton of leverage still. Even though he's played two years of college ball, he's got a ton of leverage. Yeah, there's some like there's just some crazy situations out there. I got a I, I got a text from a guy who works in baseball who said, "Hey, my son's going to be a third year freshman." Wow, <laughs> he red, wow. Red-shirted, yeah, yeah. Right, he redshirted one year, then there was no season the next year. <laughs> Still trying to play one game. Jesus, it helps that he's six five and throws a hundred too. This guy topped out at a hundred, so that's helpful. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It, it, I just wanted to come out the other end, and still be the sport that everybody loves. But you know, it, it, it's just so hard to to contemplate life on the other side. Um, you know, I, I, I have a piece uh, in the Athletic now uh, about managers and coaches. Uh, our our good friend Ron Washington is yeah. one of the guys I talked to, and you know, these are players who are on the high. I'm sorry, these are coaches, managers who are on the official high risk list Mm -hmm. and so the restrictions on them and the stuff that they won't be able to do anymore like uh just based on health and safety Mm -hmm. um it it's going to be so different uh like (laughs) wash is so active wash has some concerns (laughs) okay he's gonna have to wear his mask when he's hitting fungos well uh, here's a question that nobody can even answer for me. I, Wash asked this. Rusty Coons from the Rose asked this. Are we even allowed to hit fungos anymore? Right? I got to touch the ball. Then the other then the guy, right. then the outfitter right. touches it. Then the next outfitter touches it. Then that coach who's working with me touches that. It's too many guys touching a baseball. Yeah. Uh, so they don't even know if they can hit fungos. And uh, Wash had a line, something to the effect of, if if we're not allowed to work, then I pity you all for the for the sport you're going to have to watch. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Sounds like him, right? Those, Plus he's also he's also concerned that or he's not allowed to talk to base runners. He has to right. stand in the coach's box. Right. And six he feet. said that that ain't going to work. Period. Yeah, 6 feet doesn't work for conversations with a base runner. No. He said, what am I supposed to do? Like, we're going to go on contact and going to shout it out so I, the third baseman can hear it and the pitcher can hear it and everybody can hear it. That ain't going to work. <laughs> so, yeah, he told me he's going to probably have to wear – he's resigned to the fact he's going to wear his mask and in the box, in the third base box. Um, That's what they're doing in Korea, so that's what he thinks is going to happen. Yeah. It's unclear whether that's actually the case for people on the field, but um, possible. Maybe for and 68 like him. That, that, as I said, like we can't totally comprehend life on the other side. Yeah, uh, we just at this point, I just want to have. Yeah, no. I just want to see something. Yeah. Because and then and last thing before we leave here, um, and then the thing is, you, you're pretty sure they're going to play, and I am too at some point. Because if they didn't, can you even imagine what 2021 would be like if they didn't play at all this year? Well, it's going to be bad anyway. Yeah. But but CBA coming up. If you start thinking about a sport where they don't open the gates, they don't play a game, there's no TV revenue, there's no cash flow. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much 
equity you have built up in your franchise. If there's no cash flow, there's no market, right? Like right, right. I, something like two thirds of the players in Major League Baseball do not have a contract for next year. Wow. So this just isn't just about whether Mookie Betts is going to make his four hundred wow. million dollars. Yeah. Right. That ain't going to happen. But you could see non-tenders uh, and low-balling for free agents and all these players okay. at a level that we have never witnessed. Like it's going to be bad anyway, but nothing no, would approach that. <laughs> you know, and like if I were trying to make a deal now, if I were the union, I would be trying to address that in some way. Yeah, they might uh, be. This year's this year's a mess, but let's try to save next year. All right. Well, listen, Jason, we really appreciate your time, man. It's it's been a great conversation, and hopefully we have some baseball to talk about uh, in another week or so. Because, like you said, they didn't they need to have a big week on the negotiating circuit. <laughs> Weekend, at least. Yeah. This hasn't been the most upbeat podcast we've no. all participated in. But. <laughs> but at least I think people will come away with you, a, a voice of uh, uh, a, who knows a lot of people, coming away saying you're pretty certain they're going to play. So that's good. Uh, we, we do have that. Even if it's 48, 50 games, it's a whole lot better than nothing at all because uh, the ramifications are, are going to be devastating if they don't play. But Yeah, none of us are a fan of nothing. All right, that's yes. it. 755 is real. We really appreciate you guys uh, staying with us, and we'll be back next Tuesday. Yeah.